SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. I can't believe I'm going to say this. It is Tuesday, September 1st. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. Some people call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, coming live and direct, helping me give out information, give out winners, and put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, how are you doing today? brother man i know you have that nba playoff glow but we are about to today and tomorrow experience what i believe are the two greatest words in all of sports kevin those two words game seven are you excited (laughs) what a what a treat i mean and the, and the, the the battles that we have going into those game sevens yeah plus we have like uh, top seed letdown bingo. We're going to be able to, you know, hit the entire sure. board due to what we saw in Miami, Milwaukee. I, I could not be happier. The NBA is delivering on all fronts. It absolutely is. That's why we wanted our NBA. We have our NBA back. And let's start, Kev, with one of the reasons we will have Game 7s not only today, which we'll certainly talk about, but tomorrow as well. Because even with Russell Westbrook back, Kev, it didn't matter. And the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Houston Rockets 104-100 to last night. And what I thought was a very good game, I thought both games played yesterday were pretty interesting you know that first game I thought was really high level basketball at times in this one listen Chris Paul 28 points you know he gets seven boards he gets three assists he really comes to play the supporting cast was there as well Danilo Gallinari from deep you know this is what was working for them I also thought it was interesting Kev and I want to get your thoughts on this they made the point Steven Adams is just boxing everyone out, <laughs> okay? And then, like, the idea of the second-chance points points that he's getting I think is really interesting. You see P.J. Tucker trying, being a dog, getting elbowed in the face left and right. But that is something I thought was interesting, Steven Adams and his 14 rebounds and the kind of second-chance points the Thunder were able to get. Yeah, I mean, Steven Adams has to do this in his minutes. I mean, nine offensive rebounds from Steven Adams. Like he has to make the Rockets pay for their lack of size when he's on the court because the Rockets will make him pay for his, you know, lack of perimeter mobility. And they will look to take advantage of Steven Adams in ways when they can. Um, You also said, you know, the, the, I feel, you know, uh, it's, it's a tough look, but you know, the Thunder are able to, win even though Westbrook is back although the conversation after the game is you know maybe they won because Westbrook is back uh he tossed that game away and certainly at the end that was the case yeah um uh, you know just what a game um and you look at the two stars Harden and Chris Paul and both of them yeah. delivered but Chris Paul being a plus 20 in 40 minutes and the fact that the team only won by four 
is an incredible credit to him, although has to be a little mm-hmm. bit worrying to Thunder fans. I hear you. You know, like, what do you think about this moving forward as we welcome back our radio audience from around the country, including, of course, out there on the West Coast, waking up bright and early with us on the Mightier 1090? I mean, Kev, we have now seen these teams for six games, albeit only two with Russell Westbrook involved, right? What is your, like, predominant trend, predominant factor, if you can trust or believe in one thing that you will see in Game 7 when these two teams match up tomorrow? What would it be? Wow, that is a fantastic question. Um, man, it, PJ Tucker's rebounds is that like? <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I mean that's a valid answer. That's a big part of this, right? Like he gets eleven boards, but he has to play that role for this team because I mentioned the idea the Stephen Adams, right? I think Kenny Smith said it at halftime. He said something like, "If we're within five, they just need to shoot twos and pound it in because Stephen Adams is cleaning everything up. And uh, if you were like, down by five or more, that's when you start chucking from three, right? With SGA and mm-hmm. Danilo Gallinari and all that. But I, I, I do think that battle in the boards is important, Kev. It is. I will, I will tell you this. There, there, there's a couple of things. Um, now, the P.J. Tucker thing is very much so in, in terms of uh, wagering, right? That's really where we had the chance to make money there. The sure. Last game, it was over six and a half. Uh, yeah, you've been on that. It was over six and a half, and you finished with 11. I mean, you almost doubled up the number, and it was plus money as well for that six and a half. Um, as far as, look, game sevens, you're going to go to the stars. And yeah. Westbrook, after that loss, he's going to be out mm. for blood. But that's not necessarily a good thing. Because that can sometimes True. lead to seven turnover Brody. Especially a Brody that's not 100%. Harden is going to take about as many shots as you could imagine. You'd like to think. Now, that's a good thing. Because guess what? Harden, for the first time in his career, is watching his team have postseason struggles and is actually not being dragged for it. For the most part. <laughs> because he's actually been real good. It was a plus six yesterday. 32-8-7. But he's going to have to dominate the ball. And he might be playing you know, north of... 43-plus minutes in this game. And then as it comes to the Thunder, they got a massive game from Danilo Gallinari. Chris yes, Paul is going to have to be Chris Paul. But between Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Dennis Schroeder, they're going to need more. They're going to need more efficiency. But the thing is, with you know going into these Game 7s, you are going to see your top six or seven guys for almost the full 48. Kind of as you know, a yeah, divide it is team. a little bit tough, Kev, when both Stephen Adams and Lou Dort are not necessarily there for their offensive prowess. We'll talk about this in Game One over in the East when we come back. SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty-four-seven, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line. I'm Dane Martinez, along with my main man, Kevin Walsh, as well here, right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. And, Kevin, we have talked about the Miami-Milwaukee series on this show for a while. 
because both of us have said on this air that we think the Miami Heat not only are live as underdogs, but on this show, both you and I picked the Miami Heat to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Miami's ripe for the picking. You think that they match up very poorly against the Miami Heat. And I got to tell you something. I think, honestly, both of our philosophies came to pass in game one, Kev. The Heat are seem to be a horrible matchup for Miami because guess what? Bam Adebayo has like five fouls on him. Jay Crowder has like five fouls on him. Kelly Olynyk has like five fouls on him. Andre Ndadala has like five fouls on him. They'll switch Jimmy Butler on him for five fouls if need be. And you saw it at play if you were just watching it. Okay. When Milwaukee had the ball, Kev, there's nobody in the paint. Literally, there's nobody in the paint. Giannis is just chilling outside trying to do his thing. Now, if Giannis can hit his shots from the outside, it's a problem. And if Chris Middleton can play like he did in the first half, not necessarily the second half, it's a problem. But the Miami Heat, and specifically their closer, Jimmy Butler, who finishes with 40 points, and just it became apparent that he was the alpha dog on that court. As the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks 115 to 104, I think we took away some things, specifically at the end when Jimmy Butler was asserting his dominance, asserting his attitude, and there was no more kind of symptomatic play than after the Heat kind of got their working margin. And it was clear, it was under a minute left, and the lead was like six or eight. And the Bucks are kind of just running it back up the court. Jimmy Butler is hassling them. Steals again and goes for another layup and gets fouled, what have you. I thought that was very emblematic, Kev, of the kind of aggressiveness, of the mentality, of the dog that is Jimmy Butler and why Milwaukee may not be able to handle this. The Heat get game one, just like you and I were foretelling. Yeah, there's a lot. Look, there's a lot to get to when it comes to this game. And we should start with the Heat side of it because they deserve all the credit in the world for going out there and beating the Milwaukee Bucks by 11 after losing the first quarter by 11. The thing about yes. Jimmy Butler is he will bury you. Okay, when he sees it, he will bury you. Yep. He didn't have he didn't have yep. 40 because he was selfish. No, he had 40 because they were hopeless over on that Milwaukee side. They couldn't stop him. And that's why, you know, I, you know, um, for those that were kind of following along, we play the Jimmy Butler over points, rebounds, assists, but also isolated mm-hmm. the assists. Now, unfortunately, that we isolated those assists. And he could have still got there even in the 40-point performance. But, you know, he also stopped passing the ball at a certain point. Again, not selfish. They were hopeless. And Jimmy Butler will do this all series to them if they do not adjust. If Mike Budenholzer does not adjust, Jimmy Butler will go out there and average 30 for this series, no problem. And then you look at the other pieces, though, because that's the thing. They have guys that can step up. Goran Dragic, mm-hmm. 27. I know yeah. it's a lot, but he's been great all postseason. And the Bucks yeah. play this drop coverage, and it's going to allow Dragic room to create. Bam Adebayo's 12, 17, and 6. Yeah, maybe this is the first time you're watching Bam Adebayo. And if it is, welcome. Enjoy. He'll do it. He'll do it all series. Duncan Robinson, by the way, they shut him down. But you see right. where that creates opportunities. And they're going to sell yep, out to stop Duncan Robinson. But it creates mm-hmm. other opportunities. And they, ha- they had guys on their bench step up. The whole team was a plus. The whole team was a plus. 
Tyler Hero hit a big three, still has no idea he's a rookie. And don't even bother yep. telling him at this point. He's just going to keep hitting big shots. Andre Godala was solid in his 19 minutes of work. And the biggest thing that this Heat team probably has going for him is the coaching disadvantage. Because yeah. Eric Spolstra is miles better than Mike Budenholzer. And that's just what it is. Then the two-time NBA coach of the year, the back-to-back yeah. NBA coach of the year. Yeah, it's no, what I, it is. I agree with you. And yep, you I know, agree with you. And here's the thing. For me, mm-hmm. Kev, and I want to get you to, your thoughts on the Milwaukee side. Honestly, for yeah. me, there's more room in the tank for this Miami offense. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned Duncan Robinson. You know, he went one for four for three. That is not to be expected game in, game out. You know what I mean? Like he will hit those threes. His prop bet is usually like five and a half threes at times, right? Also, I want to ask you about something. We were talking about the rookie of the year, right? At Ja and Zion. And I know all of that, right? But Kendrick Nunn, okay, is not a a pick for rookie of the year, and he was banged up, right? But he's the kind of guy that is kind of like an addition now to this Miami Heat team, okay? And he's got a spark. He is dynamic. He missed a couple of uh, layups, quite frankly. Uh, in yesterday's game, but I'm chalking that up to he's still getting back into the flow of things. That is yet another kind of dynamic wing option that they will have once we get deep into these series. It's almost like he's the free member of the Calvary coming to just add to this Heat team even more. I am impressed. We knew about this. The Heat still have yet to lose in this postseason. My question for you is, you know, you haven't had the most confidence, let's say, in Boonholzer, right? Where does he go? What is the answer? What is the response? Because I've been telling you, this is how they're going to play Giannis. And if he hits his shots from behind the arc, they'll tip his cap, right? And who's that other guy? Now, Middleton was for the first half. He really was. And if that version of Middleton is there, then that is the answer to the question, right? But what do you do if your Budenholzer are in the box right now? Well, I don't know if Budenholzer has any idea. Now, Eric Bledsoe did miss this game, but I've seen Eric Bledsoe get dominated in the postseasons before. So, no, I will not give you the benefit of the doubt that Eric Bledsoe is going to swing this game that drastically. They'd much rather have him, though, Um, certainly because I would never trust George Hill in a postseason, especially after those missed free throws that led to JR having no idea what the score was. But let's look at some of these performances that you got from the Milwaukee Bucks, just first as a team. Mm 40-point first quarter. I mean, these boys couldn't miss. They were out there, and they were shooting the lights out. 23 in the second, 23 in the third, <laughs> game on the line, 18 in the fourth. Not good enough. Mm-hmm. The defense Not changed. even close to good enough. And you look at the offensive performances. Middleton gave you 28 on 50% shooting. That's great. Mm-hmm. Except 21 of them came in the first half. It's not good enough. Brooke Lopez That's gave right. you 24 on 80% and had, shooting. Then he had, had four fouls. <laughs> he, also had 19 at, he also had 19 at the half, right? Uh-huh. Which was a completely ridiculous performance. And then there's Giannis, who was a game worst, minus 14. 18 yeah. points, 10 boards, 9 assists. Did a nice job as a creator, but Miami will live with that. He got to the line 12, you know, ch- took 12 free throws, only made four. Yeah. Guess That's what? That's right. As a team, That'll happen. Kevin. As a team, 53% from the line. You know, you can't miss those bunnies. Uh, when it, they're, they're free for a reason. And when, I want to get your thoughts real quick because we're going to break. 
to me, a big difference. You know, Milwaukee has the best defense in the league in the regular season, right? Part of that is it allows them to be so dangerous in transition, Kev. Mm. Whenever Miami had the ability to set up, like, their half-court defense, it was a struggle for the Bucs. Yeah. That's a key for me. If Miami can get back on D and play them in the half-court, I think it's going to be a very big problem for Milwaukee because they don't have answers in that setting. Also, the big thing is, if they make life so difficult for Giannis that Middleton has to become the primary option, yeah. he's not consistent enough. He's just That's not. That's what we've been saying. And also, I think it might be fair to ask about Giannis's gas tank. Played the whole fourth mm. quarter, got up to 37 minutes. We saw this mm. last year in the conference finals when all of a sudden it wasn't a blowout and had he, he had to tick minutes up. It's right. not that easy when you haven't been doing it all year to then just go out there and give you 37 minutes of work. And that's why Mike Budenholzer's insane self put Frank Mason the third in in the first quarter. Hey! Don't do that, Frank Mason the third getting into the first quarter. That was his only two minutes of work. But this is a game that Milwaukee has to feel very concerned about. Because, by the way, I'll just quickly say, they shot 40, 46% from three in this game and still lost this bad. Yeah, well, you know, you need to hit some of those free throws. I'll say the Bucks went from minus 500 in the series, now to minus 184. So tell me what that means to you. News update up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, including our radio audience from around the country out there on the West Coast, waking up bright and early with us here on the early line out there, of course, with the mightier 1090 covering basically the entire West Coast. You can hear our voice and we appreciate you tuning in. Let's look at today's games, Kev, where again, we're going to have a game seven and we're going to have a game one. Let's zone on in first on the game seven. This has been an amazing series with Donovan. Mitchell and Jamal Murray pretty much ascending into quasi superstar status with multiple 40 50 point games and Kevin these games they're close and these two stars are really going back and forth at it what do you think in this one when we have a game seven what do you know it has normalized the Denver Nuggets who were the favorites going into this series now that we stand here at game seven are one point favorites it's in essence i'll pick them the nuggets minus 116 the jazz minus 102 on the money line we got a total of 218 let me ask you this you were talking about the stars right in a game mm-hmm. seven when we were talking about houston and okc well there is no shortage of stars who have shined very brightly in this series obviously mitchell and murray highlighting them but there are other stars in here that we could see maybe having huge Huge performances tonight. Nikolai Jokic comes to mind. Who do you think shines the brightest tonight? So let's talk about the two superstars. Let's talk about Donovan and Jamal Murray. It's funny that you say those are the two superstars when Jokic is all NBA first team. Yeah, no. And Rudy Gobert, by any advanced metric, has been the most important jazz player over this run. And yet, we know what it is. Donovan Mitchell's points prop is 33 and a half. 
Jamal Murray's points prop is 31 and a half. A pure numbers better will hammer to go these under. under. Has to go under. Will Has to. Hammer these under. Okay. Now, the pure narrative better, I guess, if you will, just yeah. plays them both over. Here is the big question. Okay. The other day, uh, that's Saturday, Lakers, uh, Blazers game five. I was lucky yeah. enough, or not lucky enough, but you know, we should give myself some more credit than that. We're on the CJ McCollum points plus assist prop, right? Now let's let's just talk about the points number. It was 26 and a half. No dame okay. that got the boost to drop 37 or 36 rather. Yeah. But the question I asked to myself, and I'll and I'll pose to you now, is what would the book have done with that number had they known that CJ McCollum was gonna play the entire game? Played the first 46 minutes and they took him out like a buck fifty left. Because the game was over. What would they have done with that number? Had they been aware that that, he was going to put in that kind of a shift? I mean, I guess it would have might have been a little bit higher. But I would think it'd be baked in on some level that knowing there was no Lillard that... And and they were in a closeout game. You know what I mean? I I would think part of the pregame... Capping would have been that McCollum will be out there for all he could handle because there was no Dame. But to your point, Mm -hmm. I guess it would have been a little bit higher. It would have had to have been. So my thing is, we sit here with Donovan. Now, last game he played 40 minutes. That's a ton of minutes. But I'm not sure he sits on the bench for eight minutes. Right. Jamal Murray last game played 43 minutes. That is a ton of minutes. But I'm not sure if he's sitting on the bench for even five minutes. I think right. that both of them might play the entire second half. I really do. And I think the only yeah. rest will probably come at you know a, a, a spot somewhere between the, the late first and the early second. I don't think I can play these over because yeah. they are so so far gone from where these numbers would be under normal circumstances. But the reason why I can't play them under, Dane, is we are far away from normal, from normal circumstances. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. You know, I like the way you framed it as numbers versus narrative, okay? Because uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kev, I, I think I was filling in maybe for you on In Game Live, and me and Gabe <laughs> Morency had the opportunity to talk on a Saturday afternoon. And it happened to be the Saturday afternoon when the Blazers and the Grizzlies were playing their play-in game, okay, a couple of weeks ago. And as you know, if you put yourself back in the DeLorean in that time frame, Damian Lillard had come off a three-game stretch where he literally averaged 50 points a game, if you remember that, right? The 40-piece, the 50-piece, and the 60-piece. His prop bet total for that play-in game I th- was 37.5, maybe even 38.5. And I had the same exact conversation with Gabe. I was like, I understand what's happening right now, and you can't get in front of this, but there, you have to bet this under. You have to bet this under there's no way you take this i remember earlier that week on the early line being like with a dame willard prop what is he going to average over 40 for three games and then he did but the right sports <laughs> investment play here kev right this is a game of inputs not a game of outputs and the right place to get your money in is on these unders now in that situation dame dropped i believe like 32 33 great game and went under and that's the thing I, that's the piece i want to explain here for mitchell today 
for Murray tonight, they can both have really good games, Kev, and still fall under this. I just don't want, I want to caution people about the narrative, like sweeping them away. You know what I mean? Can they go over? Yes. Could they be in a crazy all-time duel back and forth in the fourth quarter? Yes, but I do think from a sports investment perspective, the smart money is on those unders, right? Yeah, I, I, yes, but this is the thing. Does smart money matter if you end up losing the bets? No. No. And this is not a system that you can go back to because that's the thing when you bet numbers like that, right? Okay. If I just do this consistently, I'll win. It's the last game of the series. You know what I mean? Now, when these guys advance to the next round, you would think, whether it be Donovan or Jamal Mitchell, that those numbers would need to adjust. Let me toss this out there, though, to potentially back up betting these unders. This is a game seven. Mm-hmm. Things are usually tighter. Yeah. And I'll use this as an example. Last year, actually, we saw the Denver Nuggets in both their first and second round matchups go to a game seven. Yes. Both times... The totals from Game 6 were dropped a little bit for Game 7 by two points. But against the Spurs in the first round, that game with a total of about 208, 90-86 Denver won. Mm. I mean, that is not even close. It is not even close. And then in the conference semis where they lost to Portland with a total of about 212, 100-96 they lost that game. Again, not even close. Now that's 218 to, today. And, 218. Now, and that's why you might just want to play that number uh, under the 218. Though, to be fair, uh, all but one of these games have gone over, with the one exception being a game where the Jazz still put up a buck 24, but Denver only gave you 87. So let me with ask you this, Kev. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just, I just want to make, I just want to make, though, if this game ends up playing in the 205 to 195 range, Gonna be real hard for these two guys to get to those numbers that they've been putting up. No, that's fair. You know, and I, I want to bounce another kind of prop bet question off of you. Remember yesterday in the Milwaukee game, I, I pretty much asked you, like, we know Giannis is there. If you pick the right second fiddle, the right Robin per se, right? You'll probably get some action, whether it was Brooke Lopez or Middleton, you may have hit on that yesterday. In a game seven, Kev. There's always that random role player that shows out, you know, and you don't know where it's going to come from. But there's a there's a guy right that steps his game up to be the difference. It's like a it's like a Joe Ingles type, you know what I mean? Or a Michael Porter Jr. type, you know. And so is there anybody that you have your eye on in that vein that is not named Mitchell or Gobert in Utah? That is not named Murray or Jokic in Denver. You know, who are those guys that may uh, that are primed to kind of pop their head up. I think about Joe Ingles and his assist prop that we've talked about mm. that started at five and a half and he went over it. It moved up to six and a half. But now with Conley back, it's down, Kev, to four and a half. Is Ingles a guy you're interested in? Is a guy like the returning Harris or a Millsap, the veteran in this game seven? Who might you have your eyes on at one of these role players to step up and help lead their team to victory? Yeah, I think from a props perspective, uh, it'll be interesting to identify. But from as we you know talk about this side as well, yeah, it's hard to ignore Gary Harris's first game back being Denver's mm. most controlling victory and him being a plus sixteen in twenty one minutes of work. 
We know this guy was a regular starter for this team. We know what he brings to the table. And I think it's hard to ignore those numbers from Gary Harris. Now, this number here, Dan, has been doing some dancing. Right Now, we go all the way back to this game, one of the series, before it was announced Mike Conley was going to leave, and your Denver Nuggets were three-point favorites. And then the Jazz eventually beat them up, and the Jazz were laying three, Jazz were laying four. And yesterday, the Jazz were favorites when this line was first posted. But here comes the Denver money. People love the Nuggets. I think this is a game that you can very, very likely bet live and Hmm. come out better for it. Because they're going to have to flip the money lines a ton. Seven-point lead this way, seven-point lead this way. You've got plus 180 both sides, and you're done. I like that, right? You're you're right. Everybody makes a run in the end in the NBA, right? And because this is starting at pretty much a pick'em, right? They're gonna have to respect the runs, right? If you're up by eight, they're gonna have to put the other team at plus money. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. That could be a way to bet this game. All you need to know is that at some point in this game. Will both teams have like, I'll call it an eight point lead. Do you think that's about right? Would that be enough to get a legitimate, I don't know, plus 135, let's say, in the first quarter on one team? And then when that team makes the run and they get up by seven or eight, you know, late second quarter or midway through the third, you can come back and get that same plus 125, 130 on the other team and lock in a guaranteed profit. That may be the way to play this game, Kevin, because they are so close to pick them at least to start. You can play both sides and make money. When we come back, we got a game two in the East to discuss. And listen, NFL is only a week away. We got news and notes to discuss there. Buy or sell is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kevin, I want to turn our attention here to game two of an Eastern Conference semifinal. We saw Miami and Milwaukee get that series started last night. Out here in the East, there's also Boston and Toronto. And I want to ask you a question, Kev, because we've seen this before. After the Boston Celtics victory in game one, where the Raptors had a very poor shooting performance, right? I told you about these series prices moving. And now our friends at FanDuel have the Celtics, as the favorites, they're up one nothing in the series, and they are now the favorites at minus 188 to win the series, Kev. Okay? However, the Raptors are still favored tonight. The Raptors are favored tonight by one and a half points, minus 122 on the money line, and a total of 217. Help me thread this needle that right now what the books are saying is that Toronto wins tonight, but Boston still wins the series. And at minus 188, it's almost two bills. So they think that, you know, pretty decently, shall we say. How does it? How does the series and the game kind of show different things? I understand the Celtics have the one nothing lead, but they still believe Toronto game by game is the better team because this is not like a home court advantage situation. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where the book, um, they kind of have to adjust to the fact that in a near pick uh series, the Celtics got the first game and they've done that. 
they can't, though, you know, all of a sudden now just make Boston the favorites in every game moving forward. And I think hmm. if this series is meant to be a back-and-forth affair, right, so right. if Toronto gets this game, well, then it's a lot exactly of people will say, yeah, here comes Boston for game number three. So I think that is probably, you know, a, a situation where I'm sure they don't love it. I'm sure they don't love your game-by-game favorite being, um, you know, a Flip-flop. dog in the series, but that's the spot that they are in. All right, so Kevin, got a question for you. Uh, another one, right, where this money line, could you see this one also going both ways? Could the prudent decision be playing this game live and think that at some point, like right now, obviously you get Boston at plus 104. I think you can wait on that, right? So, like, if Toronto goes up, uh, I don't know, 8-2, to two, you can get Boston probably at plus 120. And then when Boston gets a lead, you know, later on in the game, would you be playing this one the same way you just talked about Utah and Denver potentially getting plus money on a money line at some point in this game live. So typically, yes. When you see a line that short, yes. Boston led wire to wire. They scored first and they never gave up the lead. Um, Now you would think that Toronto is going to come out there right then and really push in those minutes. But when you watch a team lead wire to wire, as hard as that is, it kind of lets you know that potentially if one of these teams got in a groove, yeah, I'm not sure. Now, again, I don't mind it because you can do it when a series is this tight. It only takes a couple, a, a little bit of a run either direction to give you that opportunity. So I don't mind it. Um, but I think it, what's really interesting to me is, you know, the Raptors were laying two. Dane, we've talked a lot, uh, especially, you know, on betting around the rim about coming back the other way for yeah, game number exact. two in this series. Mm. The Raptors were, you know, especially when you talk about the money line of minus 122, which was, you know, almost a minus 140 for game number one. It is an enticing option. All right, fair enough. Let's see. I mean, I do think this is a game of runs. Everybody makes a run. I like it in the playoffs as well. This is an intriguing way to play it. You could get plus money as your marker to start with, and we've talked about this, and like hedging off of it, this would be slightly different because of the way it moves live. You would be able to get plus money on both sides of it. Last question I have for you. Does this analogy hold water to you? I view the Celtics and the Heat Similarly, obviously, I have futures tickets for both of them, but um, I view them as a team where it can come from different places on different nights. Okay. And Milwaukee and Toronto, I feel like we're having that same conversation like, who's going to step up? Where's the closer? Right. For Toronto, we're like, ah, is FVV really that guy now that it's not Kawhi? Is Siakam going to be that dude? Is Lowry that dude? Where does it come from? In Milwaukee, of course, there's Giannis, right? But we're kind of wondering, where's the Robin? In crunch time. Meanwhile, Miami and Boston, I believe in crunch time, they have multiple options and are kind of deeper at the top does that make sense for for kind of profiling these teams in the east yeah no look i mean it's what i said going into this series at the end of the day you give me the top end guys on boston over the top end guys on toronto every single day and pretty much anyone outside of raptors fans i think would agree with that i will also say coming into this game the raptors and their shooting numbers being so poor you have to give boston some defensive credit and that's hmm. what makes me 
you know, wonder as we now come into this game number two. Because Boston defensively has had, you know, in, in the two bubble games, they've kind of had their way with the Raptors. A fourth quarter that where they gave up 40 points and none of the starters played, notwithstanding. Right. So, you know, it, it's just an interesting spot. The one prop I'll toss out there before we move on from this game is Fred Van Vliet. Uh, it's <clears> 18 and a half. It's going to be hard for me not to want to come back to that over. Uh, on the heels of right. a 3 of 16 performance from the field and right. 2 of 11 from deep. A lot of times when you're playing in the props market, specifically the points market, it's about the attempts more than anything. Uh, if you can kind of give yeah, me a, a base number of attempts, um, I'll feel pretty good about my chances. Um, you know, like the other day we lost the Hardaway Jr. prop. That's because he went 2 of 10 from 3. If he, you know, if he just kind of shot at his averages, we could have, you know, we could have got over that number with some ease here. So I look at Van Vliet looking to bounce back. Um, his number of 18 and a half, I think, is one that I'll be looking at uh, going into this game. No, I mean, that makes sense. Listen, we've been on FVV for most of this run, right? And you talk about the, the zigzag theory in the NBA playoffs, right? We see that teams going from game to game. Maybe you could do the same thing with a player like FVV after a poor shooting performance, maybe coming back over his total today. I like that. I also like both of these games with short spreads at one and one and a half. The idea of playing it live and getting plus money on both sides. Kev, let's transition to the NFL. All right. In nine days, we've got an NFL game or so we believe with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans kicking off the season. And so now the news and notes, the injuries take even more weight. Okay, because we are compromising week one availability at this point. And yesterday on this show, Kev, we had breaking news. It was the release of Leonard Fournette. That was obviously a big football topic all day long. And one of the things I was struck by. Kev, you know, we were like, wait, they couldn't just trade him. They couldn't get like a six round pick or something like that for him. We have seen these kinds of deals before recently in the league. And, you know, Marone came out yesterday and was like, we tried to trade him. We've been trying to trade him for weeks, almost months. We couldn't get a fifth for him. We couldn't get a sixth for him. Literally, the quote, I believe, was like, we couldn't get anything for Leonard Fournette. Talk to me about their Jags process. They're cleaning house. They're trading in Gakwe. They let Fournette go. Do you think this is more tanking or more mm. culture cleaning, right? And like they were shopping him. They knew they wanted to get him out of there. And, uh, you know, there's been some buzz on places he may go. Now that we are 24 hours removed, right? And we didn't have to do the knee jerk insta reaction that we did yesterday as the dust has settled a little bit what's your reaction on this uh on this transaction that happened yesterday while we were on air how leonard fournette is out there on the street now so when it comes to the jaguars i do believe that they were unable to get anything because the yeah. leverage was non-existent they also helped plummet some of his value and True. if you wanted him gone because they're look you saw how long they held on to yannick and Gakwe, right like, they will yeah. sit there and they will hold on to the player until they get the offer. Clearly, that offer was not going to come. You know, as far as is it a straight tank move, a culture move, my thing is, you know, is Doug Marone really in the position to make any of these? Like, yesterday I saw a little Twitter rumor about Dabo Sweeney will jump to the NFL to join Trevor Lawrence if he ends hmm. up in Jacksonville. Pat and I'm just deal. not sure. Like, if this team is as bad as everybody says, I'm not sure how Marone necessarily does survive it 
But let me say this from the Fournette perspective is, you know, we uh, began yesterday kind of listing some possible landing spots. Yeah. We might be waiting longer than hmm. we initially thought. Because again, if they couldn't get a sixth or a seventh from any team, which I personally believe, then these teams might sit out there and he might have to wait for a running back to fall before he actually gets a call. Uh, that's possible. That is possible. But here's the thing. Yeah, right now, there's uncertainty around. A, I can think of two starting running backs in the NFL right now. One in Chicago, who we know is out two to four weeks. And one in Philadelphia, who they're saying is ready for week one. But, you know, reports are that he's only doing, quote unquote, shadow drills at this point in practice. And I'm not trying to just push you because I know the Eagles are your team. But that's legitimately, you know, week one availability is starting to come into doubt in some places in the NFL, I think it's going to be a little bit more about how much is Fournette willing to humble himself? We talked about this yesterday, right? Is Fournette's goal to be maybe with a contender or to be on a prove it deal? And I personally, because I think Fournette was swept up in the culture politics in Jacksonville, I think he may want to prove himself with a locker room, with a strong culture, you know, that idea and being part of a solution instead of being viewed as part of a problem. So you're right. He may have to wait. He may have to wait for injury. The other thing he can do is humble himself financially the same way that we've been saying Devontae Freeman may have to do as well. But what do you think? I know we talked about places like Washington, Chicago. I heard Joe Pisapia on this network yesterday talking about how the salary cap space and financial room is really going to be mm. a predominant factor. Do you have any other teams that have kind of popped up in your mind, whether it's near or far, uh, that could want the services of Leonard Fournette? I'll bring up a team again that I had mentioned yesterday. Uh, Michael Fabiano, though, uh, kind of probably put more legitimacy behind it. With, I mean, certainly, right? If Michael Fabiano says something, it would hold a little bit more weight than myself. Um, He's got although, a blue check, Kev. I don't think you do. You know what? Just wait on it, though. 2021. Right. Um, cool. But that'd be cool. Ah, who knows? Anyway, uh, but he did say that there is some conversation uh, about Fournette possibly wanting to land in Los Angeles and how close he is with a one Jalen Ramsey. And that right. was the exact point that I made yesterday because I am uh, a, just a legitimate fan of both of those players and follow both of them on Instagram. And they are literally always communicating. Like so, <laughs> And you can tell that that's a genuine friendship. And I think that Jalen Ramsey is the type of player to walk into McVay's office and demand they sign Leonard Fournette, even though he probably doesn't have, uh, I don't know if he has that kind of pull, but I'm sure he's doing it. Um, so I, I would just, I don't think this is a situation though, Dane, I think kind of, yes, right. Some statuses might be up in the air, right? I know there's another big mm -hmm. running back situation that we'll probably talk about um, maybe at the top of hour two. Um, but I think that we kind of have to almost look at the Fournette situation where it's going to just going to, it's going to be a matter of whether he prices himself out of jobs, which is understandable. Know your worth, right. get the, get the most money that you can, um, where he might end up in a spot that you're like, that team doesn't need a back. But if the price is right and they think the fit is right, then he might, you know, land somewhere where maybe a team used the first pick that they had available to them in the draft on a running back. Mm -hmm. 
No, I mean, I think that's true. I mean, Fournette still has a lot of gas in the tank. He caught a lot more balls than you thought last year. I think 76 catches. He is still, you know, a prime running back. If a clean slate may be perfect for him. We got a potential holdout on the horizon. We have an opt-out. And we have other running back situations to discuss. We'll do that when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, we're talking about some of these injuries, right, and how we're compromising week one. Unfortunately, though, in Los Angeles with the Chargers and their incredible young safety, Derwin James, we're compromising more than just week one, okay? He's got a knee injury. I believe it's a meniscus. He's going to have surgery, Kev. He's going to be out for months. He's going to miss all of 2020. This after missing 13 games, I believe, last year. This is a guy who I believe is one of the reasons I bought into the Chargers, Kev. I bought into the Chargers' defense as one of the best in the league, putting Terod Taylor and his careful approach with the ball in good positions, right? This is a huge domino for the Chargers' defense and ultimately the Chargers' prospects. Kev, you know I am a Chargers truther and backer. This is enough to give me cause for pause. This is an all pro defender in the back end of that defense, which is very important seeing teams like, Oh, I don't know Kansas city and Travis Kelsey. Um, Oh, I don't know the emerging Noah Fant in Denver. This is big news for me. And it gives me legitimate cause for pause for my uh, bullishness on the chargers. Kev, what do you think? Yeah. The big shame is that Darwin James, you know, was a massive name in college football. Then kind of yeah. got hit with this thing where he almost was too big of a name too soon. People overthought it. Falls on the draft right. a little bit. Chargers got him at 17, year one. Just nothing other than, how did we let that happen? Like, what were we all? This guy's fantastic, yeah. right? And, like, Derwin James yeah. almost built in a lab, if you remember, to kind of stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, the way that they right. handled uh, the Baltimore that year in the postseason. In that playoff game. And then last year played five games. And now this year we'll play none. And it's really unfortunate when that becomes, uh, you know, the reputation for a guy. But, you know, unfortunately, it is fair right now. Uh, We won't go down this rabbit hole, but I'll just tell you this. Starting to think about some Cincinnati Bengals plus three and a half week one. Starting to think about it. And interesting. Wouldn't it be interesting if they had Isaiah Simmons? in that defense now also like we had talked let's about. not get started and i mean yeah. you're right though i mean it's a big thing we could keep on talking about this down the road hour two is up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com